You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the first pick in the NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select 10,000 layups. 10,000. 10,000 layups. Hello, good friends, and welcome to a playoff edition, baby, uh, of the 10,000 layups. I'm Kyle Radke here with Julian Andrews. Julian. Um, we have, I mean, we've talked since the, the game, just yeah. not, um, I guess publicly, um, wow. What, what a game. Off, like, what a game. Um, I guess that's like old news by the time people are listening to this, but, um, just insane. Like I, I didn't even tell you, I was like, I, I just had to do like a quick pod when I got home, like just like, yeah, I saw that one. Cause yep. I was like, there was just like so much shit that happened. And then like, but then even after that, it's like the public backlash of the wolves, like it's celebrating, crazy. And excited, we weren't able to see that. I was just getting texts, I think, from you and a few other people being like, "Yeah, like the TNT crew's having a fun time with this." Um, it was yeah. that was insane, Whatever. just an insane game. Yeah, really nuts. Um, one of those games where if you lost, you feel like it would have like giant repercussions for the franchise. Yeah, but because they won, it might just not. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. I don't know. It, 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 that was a, that was a wild game. And like, obviously like there's a lot to, that we can dig into. And I don't even know how much you want to talk about that game right now, because like, we're still in, I don't want to like go too deep on analysis because now we're about to play a playoff series, you know? So yeah. that's going to be a lot more telling. Um, but Holy shit. And you know, like, yeah, it, for him, that's Devo, my main takeaway. Like just yeah. for him to show up the way he did in the biggest game of his life um, as a 20 year old, it just makes you very happy about the yeah. future. And I know that Towns was really bad and I'm sure we'll kind of get into that and how he reacted to a lot of the stuff in that game. But for Ant to show up like that was just so huge for the I, franchise. And then D'Lo too, honestly, um, who has not seemed totally bought in and not seemed totally engaged um, over the last couple of weeks for him to kind of show up when it counted. I mean, I think he's becoming like more of a, 
just professional. Um, and that really came through too. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of really, really good things. Um, we talked about, you know, before the type of game that we would expect the wolves to lose. And we basically identified this exact game, but the wolves yeah. won it. And so I think that in and of itself is kind of a, a step of progress. So I, I mean, just a really wild viewing experience. I mean, you were there. I'm sure the energy was weird in the building. Like, what a strange, strange game. I had a friend that that, that texted me after, um, or the, like yesterday morning, I guess, or maybe Wednesday morning, um, and just asked me, like, what the atmosphere was like. And, like, to be completely honest, it kind of, like, wasn't fun for three and a half quarters. No, I was going to say, like, it, what, what minute are we talking about? Yeah, you know? it was, like, like, really fun right away. And then it was, like, this nervous energy of, um, oh my God, we we're playing so bad, but then you'd look at the scoreboard and you're like, okay, I guess we're only down three. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, wait, we're up two. like, how, how is this happening? Like, it feels like we don't deserve to be winning. Um, and then they went on that like fourth quarter run. Um, yeah. and like, and that's when it got really fun. Um, yeah. it's D'Lo like, you know, hit that like pull up. And I think Chris yep. Finch even said after the game, he was like, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into some lately. I think yeah. that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, I was actually surprised that he took it. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was, it was just a, a really fun experience. And like, you bring up a good point. Cause it's like, you know, if, if the wolves lose that game that, that they'd be playing tonight against, um, the Pelicans and they'd be favorites in the game and expected to win certainly a different vibe because the storylines aren't, um, even if Ant and D'Lo have the games, they do. If the wolves mm-hmm. lose by one, the storyline is like, Towns doesn't show up again. Um, yeah. Wolves can't win big game. Like Patrick Beverly distracts from blah, blah, right. blah. Um, instead, it's Anthony Edwards is, uh, you know, the next star in the league, like one of them. Um, D'Angelo Russell, the best part of his game is also his worst that like, or, or the worst part is also his best, depending on how you look at it. Yep. And, and, and on Tuesday night, it was his, like, we saw the good deal. The good deal. Yep. Yep. Like certainly that can be a three for 22 night, but it wasn't. Um, and then, you know, like the, the cat thing is still real. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know what to say about it because it, 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 it feels bad to, to, you know, harp on it, but also like that's now he's played in five playoff games plus a play in game and he has sucked in all of them. Yeah. Um, and like his quotes yesterday, it's like, Jesus, Dude. man. And like, it's so bad. I mean, called, it, it's so bad. I, and, and that's where it's like you want to defend him and be like, yeah, it's it's only one bad game. He makes it impossible to defend him. It's so hard because and, and I'm like we're saying this as Wolves fans and like we want Cat to succeed, but like yeah. he says shit and like if you're seeing it nationally, it's just like a fucking eye roll because you're like it's so well, bad. Like, like his quote um, on the Clippers who on the, on how they guarded him, it didn't work. It doesn't irritate me at all. I went home very happy. Shout out to the Clippers too. They've been the best job all year of anyone with how they want to get the job done on me. And it forced my hand to passing like what it didn't work. Yeah. Like, cat what? was not fit like a facilitator that game. He was just totally taken out of it. He just cat just like cannot take responsibility for his own play. Yeah. It's like, it, it, I, it, it's just like, and that's just kind of the thing with him. Like cat just always thinks that he's a superstar, even when he plays horribly. And I, I don't understand how you're supposed to like, lead a team or even improve your own game when that's your attitude. It's just really, really odd. Like it's, it's disturbing that that's how he thinks about I, this. I, I, I think that's the worst part. It's like, I, I totally get like, if you're like, you know what, 
to be honest, I don't know if their if their defense actually had anything to do with how I played. Um, yeah, I just had a really bad night. Like, even yeah, if you don't sure. want to give them credit, yeah. something like that, it's like to say that it, okay, it didn't work. Okay, well, you shot three for eleven. Okay, and and you fouled out, and 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 a lot of your foul, like I think he had, he had one offensive foul, whatever. Um, okay, it forced my hand at passing. Okay, you only you had three assists. Like, let's chill. Um, you had four turnovers. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I, guess, I know. And it's like with this with the fouls thing too. It's like we've had this conversation about Cat like a million times. Like, yes, some of those calls like across the board the the game was very weirdly officiated like nobody's disputing that but you just it just makes it very hard to defend cat when this is how he comes out and talks about his game and as a superstar in the league which he says he is you need to be able to figure out how games are being called and if games are being called like really tight you have to change how you play and you have to not do stupid stuff like try to go over the back on an offensive rebound when you have five fouls. You know, it's just like, yeah, it, 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 at some point, like you just can't. The responsibility here is with Cat and his teammates had to carry him. And instead of being kind of like appreciative of that and like recognizing that and saying, like, I had a bad game, but like, I'll be back next game. I'm glad my teammates were able to carry me you know, I'm going to be better. He comes out and it's just like, well, basically I got screwed. And it's like, no, you, you screwed yourself here. You know, it's like, it just drives me nuts. I I can't stand it. No, I I agree. And like, you've been watching the game. A few of us were there and, and like, you can just like look at him and, and he was just kind of like sulking on the sideline. It it reminded me like of Carson Wentz (laughs) during the, when, when Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. like everyone was happy the Eagles won, except for the guy that like, wasn't getting credit for the win and that was was Wentz and it, yeah it just seemed like the Towns was just totally disengaged once he got out and like again I don't want to make this like a shit talking Towns episode no, it just, no it's just one of those things that and it's a hard me. time I know it's like the two-year anniversary of his mom's mm-hmm. passing and like all of, so I, I mean there's other stuff at play here it's just like and I don't want to discount that but at this point this is a pattern yeah with how he responds to adversity on the court and, and in big games, like, yeah, yeah, and, and like in big games, like games are going to be called differently in the playoffs. Yep. And whether they're going to like, and, and the fun, the funny thing is with Towns, it, I don't even know which way is better because if they call it really tightly, then he gets screwed because he plays over aggressive, um, mm-hmm. and and he has like those like well he'll like flail his arms, um, we'll get a smaller they, guy on him and just like push him. Yeah, and and then when the games really. Loosely called, then he doesn't get any calls and he gets he really tries upset. To draw fouls. And yep. Again, like this is a guy that averaged twenty five and twelve and like had the best year of his career. And yeah, he's yeah, yeah. All NBA. So like he's a top fifteen, top twenty player in the league. So I don't want to like nitpick too much, but like that is a pattern in big games that like and suddenly like if all of a sudden we get done with this series against the Grizzlies, which we're actually going to talk about here shortly with Pete Pranica, who is the play by play guy for the for the Grizzlies on Valley Sports North, but um. Uh, like w- when he gets in, like if suddenly we get done with the series, right? And let's say it goes six games and Towns averages 18 points and nine rebounds or whatever. It's like, okay, those were another disappointing six games. Yep. Like it, if like, you know, we, we're going to talk about like X factors and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I mean, the X factor is Towns. He like, has to play within himself. D'Lo, like, D'Lo, yeah. D'Lo and, and, and Edwards are going to have their ups and downs. D'Lo, because mm-hmm. that's who he is. Um, Edwards because he's young and um, you know yep. he's probably going to have a 30 point game in this series and he's probably going to have like an 8 point game um, yep. 
but Towns needs to be like that consistent force of, yeah. you know, he called himself an MVP at some point this year. Like, yeah. okay, MVP show up. Like, yeah, whatever. Um, I know I'm excited. Like, with, with all that and being it's said, be a like, great series. It, it's gonna be really fun. And yeah. and I also like I just want to touch on Beverly. Yeah, because I feel like we haven't t- talked about him at all. And I think last night or not last night, I guess whatever, a couple nights ago was like the perfect Beverly. I have to say, like, I it, there was a point kind of in the middle, like when he got teed up. Um, where I was just, or when there was that double technical that ended up not being a double technical that was just like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. But then he really kind of, I think he just like brought the exact right amount of antagonism and energy. And that's like really what he's good at. And that was, uh, you could tell the game meant a lot to him and I'm I'm sure we can talk about the celebration too, but, but it was, uh, it was nice to see Bev kind of walk that line. But I mean, I agree. Like his energy, like late in that game, um, it, was, it was essential. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely essential. And like we talked about that before going into the game. Like something to watch was like that Clippers Beverly mm-hmm. relationship. Like he he was there for four years, and they got rid of him. And um, I guess you don't really know how much that means to someone until like you're in a game and like yep. you know you you talk about like a screw being loose with 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 um, Beverly. And like certainly that, that like that's true, but it's also like in a very positive way for the Wolves team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that meant everything to him. Like after the game, he was just like, "Yeah, they wanted to get rid of me. They thought I was washed up. They they thought I was this. Like they put me in a, as a throw-in." And it's like he's a very very useful player, um, you know. And now he's going to go up against a Grizzlies squad that 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 traded him too. Um, oh yeah, you know, I don't right? think he's going to have quite the same animosity. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> But I'm I'm sure you know he's gonna make up his own. He'll figure it out though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that like was it over the top? Like that's the celebration. Like I guess sure. I don't, I don't like I don't really know. Like if being in the arena, it's like hard not to like be super excited and freak out. Like I know it was a, it was a huge win. So like in the sense of like Edwards and Beverly on the podium or on the like yeah podium thing, um, you know announcing table like. And they're like we're getting like the side by side photos of like Kevin Garnett, like back when the the Wolves went to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, de- definitely not the same. But also like for a franchise that sucked for yeah exactly the last twenty years, it's like yeah, let's like, just don't begrudge them that you know that yeah. moment of kind of levity after like a very tough game and a pretty challenging season that you've really um you just won like the biggest game. I mean, Anthony Edwards is the biggest game of his life. I I, I, sure. just, I I can't get behind all the the complaining about the celebration. The NBA playoffs mean next level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the playoffs <clears throat> with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets. Instantly, you clinch a win no matter what. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Julian, um, let's get into our three-star sports card card corner. Um, We have a new product alert, and it's a college product, so sue me, right? I I, I know we've we've not been... filing the papers now. Filing the papers. Um, No, I will say 21 um, Prism draft picks came out, um, last week, it's a $210 product. So it's, it's an affordable product. The nice thing with this is cause I'm actually going to buy a box and I know like, Oh my gosh, like compared to 
you know, normal prism, these don't sell as well. Yeah, but a normal prism hobby box is going to cost you, you know, $1,200. Or this is costing you $210. You get four autographs, you get four silver cards, um, eight parallels, four inserts. So the fact that there's only four packs in there, um, 10 cards per pack, but you're getting four autos. So it's like yeah. the chances of, you know, Scotty Barnes, Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, um, you know, all like all the guys, Jalen Green. So um, we're going to open, I'm going to buy a box next week. We're going to open it on the pod. Um, we'll, we'll, we, we owe you people um, some, some card openings. So, um, I, you know, for $210, I'll, I'll just say like you could do a lot worse for value. Um, so I'm going to buy a box. I'm excited. Um, go check them out. Three stars. They're in Bloomington. They're in little Canada. They have a website. They're great. They do, they do great work. So, um, we're going to buy a box. We're going to open it and we will have a review for you next week. Pete Pranica. We are joined by now, uh, voice of the Grizzlies on, um, Bally sports. North. Pete, thanks for joining us. First off, this is like big time for us. <laughs> Not for you. For you, this is you're, you're very you're very kind. Um, no, it, it's uh, I think it's going to be one of the most entertaining, probably one of the close most closely competitive series we'll have in in the first round. I I hope you're right. Um, well, like let's first off let's let's dive into the Grizzly season. Um, like a season nobody saw coming. Probably I, I guess I, I don't know like internally, but 56 and 26, second best record in the entire league. Um, a huge chunk of those wins without Ja. Um, but you just look at up and down the roster, like Ja Morant, bona fide star, Desmond Bain, absolute steal. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. We nearly got a full season of him and we could see what he could do. Um, what what clicked this season and why are the Grizzlies so good? Well, I think part of it is the culture that Taylor Jenkins has brought to this franchise, which is essentially, I care about everybody in basketball operations, whether that's the athletic training staff, the performance staff, the players, uh, broadcasters. I care about you as people and more than I care about you as a basketball player or as an athletic trainer. And so it's really developed into a very closely knit unit. One of the concerns that a lot of people around the team, observers, people like me, uh, was, well, you don't have the old guy. You don't have, you know, it's like Phoenix added Chris Paul yeah. and Jay Crowder, and they immediately... Uh, you know, now they're, now they're championship contenders, partially because of talent, but partially because of the veteran leadership. There was concern that the Grizzlies didn't have that, that OG uh, on this team. I mean, there's nobody over 30. I think 28 might be the oldest player that we have. And so there was a question, how is this leadership going to work? And somehow the homogeneity of the ages of all the players actually worked in their favor. So it's a very, very closely knit team. And part of the reason they were successful without Ja is because players want to play with him, they want to play for him, and they felt very strongly, we don't want to let this guy down. Uh, and what also happened, too, when he went out the first time is the guys were of a mind, hey, we just we have to do more. Uh, we don't have to do anything that we, we're not capable of doing. Just do more of what we do well, and we don't want to let this guy down. And they also got to a point where I, I think the first you know, 10, 15 games of the season, they were enraptured by what he was doing, and they were more observers uh, than they were participants in the game. And then when he's not available, you can't just look around and say, well, let 12 do it because he's not available to you. So uh, long-winded answer, but uh, all those things, I think, factor into why the Grizzlies have had such a successful season. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see Ja go from kind of, ooh, intriguing young guy to kind of bona fide, I guess at this point you could pretty much say superstar. I mean, maybe not quite at the level yet 
of like the very top guys, but you certainly see the path for him. Um, what's it just, what's it been like for you just like being around that evolution um, and just like kind of witnessing this ascension? I think the biggest challenge is that he makes so many spectacular pl- plays that anytime the ball is in his hands, you have to be ready as a commentator mm-hmm. to say something amazing. <laughs> Your and, call has to match his. Hasseltine uh, <laughs> is his, this guy's going to get me fired because there's so many times that Jod does such amazing stuff. You, you know, you're tempted to say, holy, you know, bleep mm-hmm. uh, or, or something like that. Or I just, I don't believe what I just saw, uh, you know, throw a few expletives in there. So, you know, you, you that to me is honestly, it's, it's been the hardest thing about this is trying to call his games and do what he does justice because some of the stuff we've just never seen before, but it's been fun to have that many highlights. I mean, his highlight reel from half a season is a career for most guys. And, and it's been really, really fun to watch him uh, and to watch the teammates around him. Cause like I said, he is, he is so charismatic in his leadership that guys want to be around him. There are some superstars, guys won't admit this, but there are some superstars like, I don't want to play with this guy. He's hard to play with. And, but everybody wants to play uh, for Jaw and play with Jaw, and, uh, and it makes his team very strong. And, and when Jaw was hurt, um, I think Timberwolves fans, are, like, like with, with League Pass especially, got to see an old friend um, p- play a few more minutes, and it's Tyus Jones. Um, who, who I'd imagine is probably in for a, a decent sized contract this off season with, with how he's played the last two years, but what watching Tyus the last, you know, few years in, in Memphis, um, I think Wolves fans were, were bummed to see him go, but we were a team that like really couldn't utilize what, what Tyus was good at. And that was just like controlling games. And when you're down by 25, there's no game to control. And that's what, kind of where we were, but like, what, what about Tyus has, has helped with the Grizzlies and, um, I, I know it's like a younger team, but I, I, you know, Tyus is in his mid twenties, but it feels like he's in his mid thirties a lot of the time. Um, you know, what, what, what about Tyus has been kind of a calming effect on this team? He, you, you can, every, every time you see Tyus, no matter where you are, it could be getting on the charter flight. It could be in the hotel. It's like, he doesn't change expression. You might get a smile every once in a while, but he is just so incredibly level-headed on or off the floor and nothing phases him. It, it seems, or, or at least you can't read anything. He'd be a great poker player. And, and maybe some of that is what he has been through with his mother uh, and her breast cancer diagnosis and fight with breast cancer. And, and so perhaps Tyus just says, look, there, there are things bigger than basketball, but while I'm playing basketball, I'm just going to be really good at it. So um, he's, he's great to have around. He has been a calming influence. He is, you know, the, and the knock on Tyus for a number of years was he doesn't shoot real well. Well, he's shooting well now. Uh, and you know, led the league in games with five or more assists and zero turnovers, and it wasn't even close. Set a new league record for assist-to-turnover ratio at better than 7-1. to one. He's led that category for the last four years. The only other guy to do it was Chris Paul. So, uh, and he's, you know, it's one of those things where everybody on this team knows their role, and all they do is try to fulfill that role to the very best of their ability and not try to step outside themselves, you know, uh, Tyus doesn't shoot a lot of threes unless he's feeling it. And when he's feeling it, go ahead. Yeah. Fire away. So he's, he's been great for the Grizzlies. I think people who would say that, well, the reason the Grizzlies were successful without Ja was totally because of Tyus. That's a little bit of an overstatement. It's, it's part of it. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. And the rest of the team 
you know, circling the wagon, so to speak. I think that's been as important as anything. But certainly, Tyus's steady influence on this team has been massive. It's funny. I was watching the the Spurs playing game the other day, and um, they they you know tossed up Trey Jones, and and they said like Trey Jones, like I don't know if it's like the Spurs record or something, but assist turnover uh, ratio too. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Runs in the family. Um, I, you know, talking about the series um, in, in general to get into like specifics, I think the, like the, the talk around, you know, after, after the Wolves win was, oh my God, this is going to be such a fun series, like two young teams, two exciting teams. Um, from a Grizzlies standpoint, I mean, is there anything about this Wolves team that, that's like overly concerning? Um, you know, because I, you know, as like a Wolves fan and a Wolves fan podcast, I think we get trapped into like the wolf, like Wolves in six or whatever. And then you forget like how good these teams actually are. And the fact that you were like barely, you know, <laughs> won the playing game. So I don't want to like be like, yeah, the Wolves are the favorites because they certainly aren't. But like just from a Grizzly standpoint, what about the Wolves might might be concerning? Uh, D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vander- Vanderbilt on the backboards. Uh, there, There's a look this. I. I I have said this on, on my podcast. This is going to be a seven-game series. I really believe that because right now, Minnesota Minnesota and Memphis, they play very similarly, okay? They force turnovers. They're good on the glass. Um, you know, Minnesota is better at, at three-point shooting. Um, the, the, but the big issue here is Dylan Brooks has not played in any of the four regular season games. What is he going to be able to do defensively against Anthony Edwards? Uh, what is he going to be able to do against D'Angelo Russell? What impact will he have on this series? Because we, we, have, we have no tape to look at from the regular season. One of the issues with the Grizzlies, and you saw it the last time that the Grizzlies were in Minnesota, is that they really struggle when somebody gets hot to, uh, to take that away. And, you know, D'Angelo is averaging 31 a game against the Grizzlies. Had a season I-37 in the last meeting in Minneapolis. So the ability to turn off the water, whether it's Towns or D'Angelo or Ant, that to me is, is going to be huge. And, and then that, a lot of that, with the exception of the Towns piece, it's going to fall probably on Dylan Brooks to be that, to be that defensive stopper. And if he can be that and, and limit those high scores for the Timberwolves, you know, then then this is clearly a Grizzlies series. But I, I just, you know, people who are, oh, oh, Grizzlies in four, Grizzlies in five, like, no, I don't think so. I, I really do believe this will be a very long series. Yeah, if there's, it's funny, when 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 I worked for the Wolves with Kyle, I, I don't think there was a guy who was not a superstar who killed the Wolves more than Dylan Brooks. Um, I mean, we, right, Kyle? I mean, like, oh. you, do you remember him just, well, taking it's funny us you say that over and over. Because, yeah, it's funny you said it because I looked up his his stats. Oh like, uh, in nine games against the Wolves, he shot 53% um, from the three-point line. He's so, crushed fun, fun times. I remember it would be like, oh, the Wolves are in this game, and then, like, Dylan Brooks scores 12 straight points, and you're like, geez, like, what? What happened? Um, yeah, no, like, I, I, do you think it'll be a good series? Um, you know, I think for us, like, we were just talking about this earlier. Like, we, we you know, we, we worry about Cat you know, in big games. Cause I think that's like a storyline that, that has, has played itself out now, but um, especially against someone like Steven Adams, like the, those bigger guys, he, he tends to like get in his head against And this year with the Grizzlies. He, he really didn't do that. But um, you know, the, the one thing that's interesting for Memphis is if you, you get, you have so many guys, like just you're such a deep team, but generally in the playoffs, we see rotations shorten 
Um, certainly that doesn't always have to be the case, but do you have any idea what, what, what uh, Taylor Jenkins will do with, with the rotations or do you keep them deep and, and, you know, feed into your strengths or do you, do you try to shorten them? My guess is he'll probably keep it fairly. It, it might tighten a little bit, not in terms of the numbers of guys, but it may tighten in terms of the minutes that guys get. You know, John Conchar may not get, I, I don't know what he's averaging. I'm just going to say, throw it out there, 15 minutes. He may get 10 minutes. You know, all the games are on national TV. The timeouts are longer. You no longer have back-to-backs. And this is a series where the schedule is actually spread out pretty well. So, you know, rest and recovery is not going to be a major issue. It's not like Memphis is flying to Los Angeles to play the Clippers. It's a relatively short flight. So uh, I think Taylor's going to play it fairly close to regular season, except maybe some of your uh, some of you guys further down the rotation may play a few fewer minutes than normal, and the starters may play a few more than normal. Do you feel the sense of like any um... – because it's it's hard to know when you're not in a city uh, or like following the team or on like the the you know like team Twitter dark tunnel, um, which certainly the Timberwolves have one. Um, but like, is is there any sense of like that like the national media or like the bas like casual basketball fans in general like are overlooking the, the Grizzlies? It feels like it's like this fun, cool, you know, feel good story. But I th- I think when people are looking at championships, like even people are talking about golden state, like as, as, as a, as a favorite to come out of the West over the Grizzlies. And it's like, has anybody watched golden state over the last month? And I know Steph's coming back and, and, you know, yada, yada, but is, is there like a sense of like that chip on the shoulder still of like, Hey, we just won 56 games and nobody's really giving us any, any respect here. <laughs> if, if you are with the Memphis Grizzlies, no matter how long you've been here, you always have a chip on your shoulder because you know, you're a small market team, uh, typically overlooked. I mean, this was a this was a team that had what maybe two. I'm looking at the schedule. Yeah, they, had, uh, they actually had like four ESPN appearances. Only one originally scheduled, and that was on MLK Day, which is kind of a tradition. And then all of a sudden, games start getting picked up. Um, you know, because the Grizzlies don't generate national ratings. So, you know, it's it's helped a little bit that Kendrick Perkins has really taken up the Grizzlies uh, banner. Uh, and, and has been a big supporter of them. Uh, Stan Van Gundy is a big supporter of uh, Taylor Jenkins for Coach of the Year. But by and large, I think, yeah, National League or to the casual fans, like, yeah, yeah, that John Moran, he's pretty cool. But beyond that, I don't, I don't know. Um, but John always plays with a chip on his shoulder, regardless if he's the favorite, the underdog. He will find some slight somewhere he will find something to motivate him. And uh, so I, I think there'll be enough motivation uh, mm-hmm. on the Grizzlies part. And then obviously, you know, the chatter between uh, Pat Bev and Dylan Brooks is going to be a highlight. And uh, Ja was asked about the whole Pat Beverly piece yesterday. And he said, uh, you know, we don't dodge no smoke. We'll get up in the chimney. We ain't going to dodge no smoke. So uh, it's two teams, two young teams that play fast. They both play with a certain element of swagger, which is pretty cool. And uh, I think the team that can be truer to their identity and force the other team to get out of their identity uh, and make them uncomfortable, I think that's the team that wins the series. Are we going to see a Jarrett Culver revenge game? That's I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I love Jarrett when he was here. On uh, you know, hopefully, if there's anywhere for him to succeed. I think you know, being with Memphis, a, a team that brings along young guys, is probably probably a good place um, for him. Okay, let's go around. Um, series predictions 
Julian, I'm just going to put you on the spot first. Sure. Well, who who wins and how many games? Oh man, it feels like bad karma to pick against your own team, but I I I think Grizzlies in six or seven feels like right to me. I'm going to say Grizzlies in seven. Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to do the same. I think I I'm going to go Grizzlies in seven. Um, just because like if you do get that home court back, um, and then the the thing is with with the Wolves, it feels like so many things have to go right to get to like, like six or seven games. Um, but yeah. Uh, Pete prediction. I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I, I, I have the Grizzlies in seven. I, I think the people that are going Grizzlies in five, I, I just, I think they're being overly optimistic and I think they're underselling the job that Chris Finch has done in, in Minnesota with that team. Um, I was breaking down the numbers. You probably already know this. You may have shared it with your listeners, but the Minnesota Timberwolves have the largest increase in win percentage from last year to this. Uh, you know, their, their numbers, their efficiency numbers on both ends of the floor uh, have gone way up from basically the bottom of the league or middle of the pack to to near the top. And there was a period of time when Memphis, I, I'm sorry, uh, Minnesota was top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Grizzlies still are, but Minnesota had had moments. They had times where they were top 10 in, in both efficiency categories. So uh, I think it's going to be a close series, tightly contested. Um, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the one that when the first round is over, everybody's going to say, man, that was one great series. Totally. I hope so. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I was at the game, um, the, the playing game and it's just like so much fun being there in person, but it's also fun too. Cause I, even that Jimmy Butler season, um, which was not a fun season, um, to be around the team, but, but it, there was like this sense of like, Oh my gosh, people are talking about us on a national stage again. Um, I'm just excited for those games. I think for both teams, like, you know, Edwards and, and, and Jock going back and forth will be a lot of fun. Um, Pete, where can people find you? Where where can they follow you um, as as we approach this this hopefully seven game series? Sure, you can follow me on Twitter at Pete Pranica, and um, my podcast on the Basketball Podcast Network is the Grizz Weekly Grind. So you can find it at HoopsPodNet or wherever you get your pods. And right now, I've got one up with Michael Wallace, who used to write for ESPN, now writes for uh, Grind City Media in Memphis, and also a chat with Stan Van Gundy of the NBA on TNT. That's the current episode right now. God, Pete, just Stan Van Gundy, Julian. We, Another level, baby. We don't, yeah, we don't get Stan Van Gundy <laughs> on this podcast. Well, um, I, I was fortunate enough to to get assigned a TNT game with him. There you so go. I spent yeah. some time with him, and uh, hey, Stan, you know, you, can you give me a few minutes? Like, yeah, sure, absolutely. He's a, he's a great guy, great guy. Yeah, I love listening to his pods. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Um, all right, well, Pete, best of luck. Um, maybe we'll we'll chat with you throughout the series um on how things are going but uh thank you so much for for joining us we really appreciate it my pleasure thanks for having me